what I want to talk about today is another saying that we often, you often see done in a cross stitch hanging on your grandmother's wall or often they're sitting in the dove shop or the nearly new where people haven't wanted them any longer. But it's that, those cross stitch sayings that say, home is where the heart is or there is no place like home. And uh, home generally is a gathering place where we gather. It's that place of refuge. It's from where we kind of have some peace and quiet from the intrusiveness of the world, the busyness of our lives. We come home and we're like, ah, we are home. Is that right? Is that how we feel about home? And Proverbs 24, 3-4 says, By wisdom a house is built. Through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And I absolutely love that picture of home. That it is that wisdom builds our homes. That through understanding things are established and rooms are filled with knowledge with beautiful and rare things. But sadly, home is not like that for a lot of people. And you guys will know, many of you will know that I work within family violence and the child protection space. And I see every day homes that don't represent that. And that breaks my heart because I know home is supposed to be a safe place. Home is supposed to be our sanctuary. So I just want to acknowledge that today, that there'll be some listening to this who will find it difficult to understand home in the way that I understand it but I want to show you where home can be for you and I'm not talking about renovations today I mean you know making homes beautiful I'm going to leave that to the likes of Donna and Nicole they've got the skill and the flair for beautifying a home but today I want to focus on how do we create our homes and how do we create a place where people wish to dwell? Because that's where a home is, is where we sit and we want to dwell. And I want to focus both on C3, like this is a home of sorts. This is a community, a family home, a church home. And also obviously focus on our own personal homes and the families we represent here. So, today's main scripture is 1 Corinthians 3, 9-11. For we work together with God, you are God's field. You are God's building also. Through God's loving favour to me, I lay the stones on which the building was to be built. And I did it like one who knew what they were doing. Now another person is building on it. Each person who builds must be careful how he builds on it. Jesus Christ is the stone in which the other stones for the building must be laid. It can only be Christ. So right off there, we can see that Christ is the solid foundation for our homes, that it is the beginning of our homes. And what is actually a home? Is it actually a building? Is it constructed of bricks and mortar? Is it uh, the people who dwell within your home? Or is it the safety and that sense of... (sighs) when you get home and a space where you instantly feel at home. And the home decorating business is huge. It is a booming business. We have magazines completely uh, dedicated on home, renovating your home, beautifying your home. The same with TV. We have full channels 24-7 dedicated on making our homes beautiful, reinventing our homes, redoing our homes. Completely, the whole business is a booming business. And in fact, even having someone to come and style your home is a legitimate career these days. It's a thing that people do. And for what? All of it is to create a sense and a place where people can dwell, where people can relax, where people can feel at home and enjoy being there. 
And Glenn and I have, uh, from time to time, talked about how we want to create a home. So like when we were first married and we were first starting to have children, we'd talk about what is the sort of home, what is our family vibe that we would want to create. And we have been always wanted to have the place where our kids' friends can come and hang. Now, we have a particular friend of George's, and his name is Jet. And Jet would always come over on a Friday after school, after school, because he was at Selwyn College and he lived quite far away. So he would walk to our house. And very often I would come home and find Jet in my house at the bench top just eating our cereal. I'd be, oh, hi, Jet. <laughs> and it came to the point where Jet was just like one of our family. I mean, he would just come in, and I, one day I actually came home and found him asleep in one of our spare beds downstairs. I'm, oh, hi, Jet. <laughs> so I came in to do something. Oh, oh hey, hi, Jet. Okay, <laughs> you just... Jet was no longer a guest. He was like part of our family. And I have been known to put up signs for Georgia and her mates uh, that says, Dear Georgia and all your mates, this is our house rules. Can you blim and tidy up after yourself? When you've got takeout, put it in the bed. I've gone and done that. In fact, I've actually made a Facebook Messenger chat for Georgia and all her mates who used to frequent our house so much because I used to get so sick of having... I thought, well, if I just get you all on a chat, I can just tell you all at once. This house is not <laughs> your pit. You need to come... So, But it was... Because they were like family, I could talk to them like that. They were kind of okay with me doing that. Well, I think they were anyway. Um, but first... I want to ask you, what makes a home a home? And this is a bit of interaction, okay? So I'm going to have a little bit of crowd participation. Who can tell me what makes their home feel like home? What is it? You can just call it out. Couch? Particular couch? Comfy couch? Warm? Yep. Warm? Oh, you like a worn couch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate that. Um, great. That is awesome. What else? What else makes our home? Was it? Food, yes. Kettle is on. Don't you love the sound? I'll tell you what reminds me of home. Uh, I really love the washing machine going. And I'll tell you why. Because I grew up, mum, always doing blimmin' washing. But actually, the, the, it, it's a, it triggers a nice, I'm home, it's a nice response. And I think that's a bit like the jug, isn't it? When the jug's boiling, it kind of like... <sighs> things go on. Um, so what I want to talk about today, first of all, is we acknowledge the work that has been done before us. So thinking about our families and our homes, things, uh, if we go back to the main scripture that we had in the beginning about building on top of someone else's work, we are always building, in terms of our families, we're always building on top of someone else who's come before us. And there is a famous whakatauki that I absolutely love. And you'll know, for some of you will know that I'm learning today, I'm really bad at it, so don't be too expectant of me. But I am learning. I'm trying my hardest. And this famous whakatauki is uh, one you may recognise, and we've often just heard it with the one line, which is he tangata, he tangata, he tangata. Does anyone know what that is? The people, the people, the people. Now, we often only hear that one line. And it wasn't until I started researching this whakatauki that I realised that actually a little bit like Bible scripture, you take scripture out, we take it out of context, we water it down and we make it not mean what it was intended to mean, that the same happened with this whakatauki, that often people just use that, it's the people, it's the people, it's the people. And actually when I went and did some research on it, I learned that it means much more, it has much more depth to it than that one line. 
Um, so the words were actually uttered by Miri Naroto, and she was a famous, uh, f- uh, famous chief amongst her people up in Kaitaia from Te Opori. All right, yeah, okay, cool. I'm obviously a Pākehā and I don't get it, but go, go them. Oh, are you? Oh, that's so cool. This is so going to connect with you then. Um, <laughs> um, Naruto was making a plead for the lives of um, the group of visitors, the Manuhuri, who had arrived onto her people's site, and she was pleading to her people because the plan had been that they were going to annihilate, 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 and annihilate. Yeah, I can't even speak English, let alone Māori. Um, uh, they were going to annihilate these group of visitors. So the Manahiri were going to be annihilated. And she was pleading uh, on the on behalf of these people for their lives, and that their that her people would. She begged them to reconsider. And as is common in Māori um, um, culture, she used her mana and her prestige, uh, and used her authority to beg for their lives. And she implored them. And she said this beautiful whakatoki, and you can actually see in its fullness. And you'll see that he tangata, he tangata, he tangata is just the one line of actually the beginning of something really beautiful. And what it means is if the heart of the harakiki was removed, which is a flax, where would the bellbird sing? And if I was asked what was the most important thing in the world, I would be compelled to reply, it's the people, it's the people, it's the people. Naruto is alluding to the common metaphor of the pahariki, which is the flax bush. And it's a beautiful analogy, um, is a representation of healthy and functioning family. When the plant is well rooted and the centre shoots represent the central shoots represent the children. And on the outside they're protected by the elements and adverse forces by the older shoots that surround it, which is your matua, your parents. And this reminds us that the most important thing through Māori lens, and I think actually from a Christian point of view we can get this, is that people is, in, uh, that is not people in the sense of individuals who you see around you, living and breathing, who are right next to us, but actually it's those that they are connected to. It's their tupuna, it's their ancestors, and also their as yet unseen and unborn descendants. And I absolutely love this proverb because it means it's more than just you and I sitting here. It's actually about those who've come before us and those who are yet to come. And she is referring to what is called whakapapa in Māori culture, which is that people are connected to each other, that we are not individuals, but we are a collection of people gone before and people ahead of us. And so she was begging for their lives to her people. And she was saying, consider everybody who's connected to the people that you want to wipe out. If you wipe them out, you wipe out the ones before and the ones coming after. And I think as a people of faith, we can understand this because in fact, our own faith talks a lot about our heroes of faith. If you read in Hebrews, our heroes that came uh, before us, all the great heroes of faith, we are encouraged to think on them. We are encouraged to be inspired by them, to see the things that they did. We, we are here because of a many things that people have done before us. So I'm not here just as an individual, but I'm here because of what my parents did and what they put into me. I am part of my mother. And, and as much as I used to joke about, 
your, you become your mother. Actually, I'm very proud to be my mother, like my mother, because actually she represents so much goodness in me. And I just want to honour my mum today. <laughs> I do, I honour her because I am who I am because of her. And she has things that are part of her from her parents. And they're, they're not all good, I understand that. There are parts that aren't good. But actually, there are some really amazing treasures that I am because of who my parents were, who my grandparents were. And um, we understand that who we are here is not just who we are. We're actually connected far, far wider and far broader. So our current, this, who we are and the families that are represented here, that you represent, you will have impact on your children, on your children's children. You'll have impact on your nieces and nephews and their children. We will impact our future. And um, I, what I want to talk about is, what's the difference between being a guest and a fully-fledged member of the family? So Ephesians 2, 19-22 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers or guests, but fellow citizens of God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. So again, that whole thing reminding us in our faith that we have been built on past people gone, so past prophets and past um, apostles and that Jesus is the cornerstone, the foundation. So first-time guests, strangers, uh, what happens and how do they change into becoming family members? And usually it's after they've visited a number of times. So we think back to my mate Jet. Jet, when he first came, I don't recall that he just came straight into our house, grabbed the cereal and sat down and gave himself a feed. I'm sure Jet came in and we were introduced and we had a bit of a conversation and then he probably awkwardly went off. I probably, what I do with my kids' friends is I, I have lots of awkward questions, eh, Harper? I often sit there and go, so tell me, where, did it, where do you come from? I do that whole thing. I like to find out about them. Apparently it's awkward, but I do, I do it. I love it. Um, but anyway, but after a while, they move on from being just guests to part of the family. When I come home, I didn't blink an eyelid to sing Jet. Uh, sleeping in the spare bed downstairs. I just sort of laughed. I thought, well, that's Jet for you. He's obviously had a hard week at school. Um, and so too, in, in church, it's the same thing. We want to move people from feeling like visitors or guests in this place to actually being part of our family. And we don't have defined spaces in this church for visitors and then for family. We actually don't have that, I realised. And I think that's because we don't want to have people feel like they're just being a visitor. Now, in my childhood growing up, my poor mum's probably thinking, what else is next is coming? <laughs> so in my home growing up on 16 Hollis Ave in Christchurch, we had a house that had two rooms for family. And, so we had a house that had, sorry, we had a house that had uh, the family room, which had our soft coat couches, a little bit more chilled. It had the TV in it. It's where all the family relaxed. And then we had what was called the Good lounge. Now you can imagine that I, the kids weren't generally um, encouraged to go into the good lounge. The good lounge actually had a sliding door, didn't it, Mum? It actually had a sliding door, so that stopped you going through it. And that room was always kept immaculate. It was always pristine. It had the nicest furniture. There was no rips or tears on it. It was like the good lounge. And we knew that when visitors come, they go into the good lounge, you know. 
Um, and so that's a sign of being a visitor versus one of the family. And if they, if they came over regularly enough, then we transitioned them to the family room. Because <laughs> that actually was much more chilled, much more relaxed, much more soft and comfortable. And it wasn't that they weren't being honoured as our visitors, but it's actually more that we were honouring them. They're like part of the family, so they come into the family room and then chillax with us there. And do you remember that house? Can you think of a house when you were growing up that was similar for you, like Jet has our house? Do you remember growing up where there was a house where you frequented so often that you didn't even feel like the visitor anymore? You just felt like they were your other mum and dad. And often, um, and I know our kids, Harper has a best friend, Millie, Harper can go to that house any time and that mum will welcome her at any time, vice versa, uh, as it would be for um, Millie coming to ours. And I think part of also transitioning from being a guest or a visitor to part of the family is that when you're part of the family, you're expected to contribute. You're expected to input and you're expected to support. So, for example, now when um, John, George's boyfriend, comes over, he's expected to help clean the t- clear the table. It's a kind of difference, you know, when you're a visitor. Oh, no, don't you just sit there. Don't do anything. I'll do it. But when you're part of the family, it's like, come on, hurry up. Come and clear that table, you lot. So uh, that's a, a, an absolute sign. But I think that's the same here in church. When you feel part of the family, you start to contribute. You want to contribute because it's your family space. And number four is that we're united as family. That's what makes home, is when we are united. Functioning families operate in unity. Um, and Jesus even mentions this in 12, Matthew 12:25. He says, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. The power of a family, of a home, is in the unity that they stand in. Um, on Facebook the other day, we have a friend, a connection of ours, and she's really, really struggling with her family, and she is completely separated from her siblings. And it's really sad because her dad has just passed away, and she's bemoaning about how difficult it is that they can't even sit around the table to talk any longer. So that kind of dysfunction means that her family aren't unified, and it's really, really difficult for her. And I really, really feel sorry for her because her whole real thing is that she would love her family to be able to sit around the table and at least have a conversation about the disharmony. And the power of family is in unity. The safety of family is in unity. And unity is brought often by common goals. So in church, our common goal is that we gather here because we have a a same faith, we want to, we believe in God, we want to have connection and community, we want to learn from each other uh, and explore our faith together. And there's something beautiful about having a unity of so many different types of people. And that's what I love about our church, is that we all can be so vastly different. And we can all come from such different experiences, but we are all connected by this one common factor of our faith. And I love it that we're not the cookie-cutter church, that we don't all look the same, that we don't all dress the same, that we don't all talk the same. I love that because it makes us, I think, a much more vibrant and far more fun place to be in. And lastly, I believe that home should be warm and welcoming. I'll put that up. Beautiful, Nicole, it's beautiful. A home should be warm and welcoming. 
The atmosphere of our homes is so important and it's not just around your furniture or your beautiful fire, although I love a fireplace. Um, I do love a fireplace and um, it's, it should be more than just furnishings. It's to create atmosphere of our homes in the way we greet our family when they arrive to our place. Um, I know that sometimes, mothers, we, we do say something sometimes in the midst of when you're really frustrated and I am aware of that I do this from time to time and mine particularly has to be around mess. So I can really stress, I get very stressed about mess and I know Harper's looking at me now, like, yep, um, I do, I get. And so one time, so I find sometimes I come home from uh, work and I walk in and then I just see the bench covered in dishes and nothing gets me going, just because I really love benches clear. Um, <laughs> Nicole knows, Nicole <laughs> knows I. Um, and so, and I actually, that's the thing I got from my mum. I just like to say, I dob her and the reason why I'm a clean, like to be clean is because mum does. Um, but anyway, so, and what I realised is one day I was telling off one said child about the mess and you need to clean up after yourself. And the said child said to me, all you do is complain. Nothing I do is right. Everything you do is complain about me. And I was like, that's so, I'm spitting everywhere. That's so not true. I, I do other things. Other th- I do. I do other things, you know. And, but I did actually reflect and realize, well, maybe I do. Maybe it is a thing I do. I come home and I launch straight into the house as a total tip. When actually I should come home and launch into, I can see lots of people going, uh huh. Maybe I should launch into, hey, how are you guys going? It's so awesome to see you all. Now, can somebody get into the kitchen, please, and clean that mess up? Like, I'm really trying, and there have been some times when I've come home and I've had to <clears throat> zip it because I didn't want to talk about the blooming peanut butter with the butter sticking out, knife sticking in the, you know, like, there's so many things I just want to deal with. And I just want to come home to it tidy. And why can't they just do it? Like, is it? Anyway, but so I don't. And so I have to be quite intentional and do that first greeting. And then I try and move us on to the cleaning. But it's, it's difficult and it's, it's a weakness I have and I understand it. But actually, it's about creating atmosphere in our homes. We create the atmosphere in our homes the way we greet and the way we respond to people. And Glenn uh, has been recently doing the Prodigal Son series. And if you haven't seen it, may I encourage you to get it on your podcast and listen to it. It has been a phenomenal series, if I do say so myself. I know I'm married to him, but it actually has been very, very good. And he had recently, a couple of weeks ago, talked to us about the Prodigal Son and about the older brother. And if you remember, we talked about nobody wants to be greeted at the beginning of church by the older brother because he's gnarly. He's all all kind of all rules and you didn't do this and why do you get that when I've been the best son ever and you go out and do stink stuff and then everyone welcome you. We don't want to be the older brother church. And Glenn was musing that sometimes he worries that we're becoming like the older brother, that the world, the uh, people outside of church world see church like Pharisees, like legalism and legalistic older brother grumpy. But actually, we don't want to be that. We want to be welcoming. We want to be like the Father who welcomes people in, who makes them feel glad that they have come into our place. Um, And we need to keep checking ourselves in the way we respond, both within our homes and within our um, church family. When people come in, do we want more people coming in? Are we actually excited about that? 
Or are we like, oh, she's got not enough seats now. You took all my car parks. It's too many people. You know, we don't want to be the older brother, right? So in order to create a home, we need to understand that there is power of those who have played a part before we got here. Thinking about who, uh, who was before us. You know, I told you about how I was doing my today class. I had to do an assignment, which is due tomorrow, on Whakapapa. And I actually got the chance to go back and look at all my own history. And gosh, it's, it's amazing to see what those people went through. You know, some of it wasn't great. We know colonisation was very bad. But some of them did some um, pretty hard runs coming to a whole new country uh, and setting themselves up away from their family. And actually, it was super, super interesting. It does make me old, I believe, when you start looking at your history. That is a sign of old age when you get into ancestry.com, apparently. Um, but actually, let's, let's keep thinking about those who have played a part to where we are now and let's also think about our future for the people that will come after us we play a part now in that future of them and we need to ensure also that our foundations are built well um, I remember I forgot to actually say around the foundations the whole thing around the leaky homes so that's when foundations went really really bad right so in 19... 89 or 88 to 2004, the timber frame homes that were built were not weather tight and they were shocking and they actually caused huge amounts of grief. In fact, they totaled the replacement around $11.8 billion. So we need to know we got our foundations good because foundations can be catastrophic for a house. If we don't have good foundations for our homes and for our families, they can be catastrophic to the future and for the here and now. So we need to always continue to check our foundations. And we also need to kind of go around and do a house inspection. And that sometimes is a pretty hard thing to do as parents to ask our young people, our children, how the atmosphere of the home's going. It's kind of hard to hear sometimes, especially when you're being told all you do is grump. But actually, it's good to hear it because you can't change it if you don't know it's something you're doing. So it's actually good to kind of humble yourself and hear that stuff and attend to it. Keep checking. Keep looking for those things where uh, water might be getting into your foundations. Um, and also, uh, think about, are you welcoming in your home? When people come into your home, are you like... <clears throat> Hi, so good to have you here. Or are we welcoming in? Are we being the older brother or are we being the father? Welcoming, killing the fatted calf, getting the sandals and the rings for your feet and your fingers. Uh, are we being, which one are you? And keep checking where you're at. Don't be weird about it though. Don't be a weird welcoming person. You know that when you're overwelcome? Has anyone experienced overwelcome? It's really weird. Just be cool. Just be normal. Um... But also understand the power of our homes being united. Sometimes we don't all agree. That's okay. But actually unity is just coming to for the greater good of the family, of the home, of the group. And that's what we need to keep remembering. But always remember that whakatoki that I presented earlier about how a functioning family works where the children are in the middle and the parents, the matua, are on the outside and they're weathering and they're keeping them safe. And it's actually about who's come before us, who is here now, but also who is going on ahead. That this church matters. It matters for the now, but it also matters for our future. 
So don't ever think you just come here on a Sunday and you do your little bit, but actually you're sitting and building a foundation. We are building on foundations that have been built before we got here. And we are building foundations that are solid for our future, for the future families and the children that will come here. And um, what I really love is Pete uh, has spoken before and he talks about when he prays, he is not praying just for Emma and her siblings, but he's actually praying for their children and their children's children. Now that's quite a gnarly thing. He's never met, or he obviously hasn't met them yet, but um, <laughs> and it's unlikely, unless he survives for a very long time, that he will meet his grandchildren's children. But actually, he's praying now for them because he prays for them in the future. And their future is part of his faith today. And I just think that, I love that about Pete. I love that he's actually forward thinking. He's thinking about the future coming after him. Uh, And so I want to wrap up today and give us an opportunity for people because we've been talking about home. We've been talking about how good it is to have home. And as I said, some people haven't always had that experience of home. But actually, I want to um, let you know that this can be home as well. This can be um, a place where I hope that you can feel relaxed and at ease, that you know the people, that there's weird old Uncle Toby, there's there's this eccentric Auntie Beryl, there's annoying Cousin Charlotte, but actually we all make up family. And this can be your family as well, if that's something that you haven't had. And so I'd like us all just to close your eyes, just for the privacy of those who may want to respond, that actually God is always about home and about family. And in fact, this world is temporal for us. Our long-term home is heaven. And I want to give you an opportunity, if that's something you've never done before, to respond to God, because God is around about putting out the question, what are you going to do about me? And... um, Romans 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it's about responding to